Lord, we thank you for the words that we have been able to sing today about your salvation and your fulfillment of these hungers and these desires that we have in us that can only be satisfied in you. And so, Lord, we, we pray that today that we would, would seek you and seek to find our hope and the satisfaction of all that we long for in you. Amen. So there are two scripture readings today. One is from the prophet Ezekiel, and the second is from the Gospel of John chapter 10. But before Bill and Kathy read those together, I want to tell you a story from John chapter 9, uh, the chapter right before our main text for this morning. At the beginning of John chapter 9, Jesus encounters a man who has been blind from birth. And Jesus heals him, and he heals them in this very strange way. He, he gets some mud from the ground, and he picks it up, and he spits on it, and he rubs it together in his hands, and he puts it on the man's eyes. And he tells the man to go and to wash in a certain pool, the pool of Siloam, and that when he does that, that he would be healed. And the man goes to the pool, and he washes off the mud from his eyes, and for the first time in his life, he can see. Jesus performed this miracle on a Sabbath day. And on a Sabbath day, you weren't supposed to do any work, like heal people or make mud. And so the Pharisees get angry that Jesus has done this on the Sabbath day. And he, they go and they find this man who was once blind, and they begin to interrogate him about who he thinks that Jesus is. They say, this man, Jesus, he's a sinner. He works on the Sabbath. And so they question him, and they interrogate his parents, and they try to make all these threats about kicking this man out of the synagogue if they don't reject who Jesus is, call him a sinner or a demon-possessed man. And I, I love this man's reply at one point. He says, I really don't know who he is, but I once was blind, but now I can see. So I don't know who he is, but this is what he did for me. And it becomes so angry that he's unwilling to reject Jesus after he healed him. And so they, they kick him out of the synagogue. They, they remu remove him from the spiritual community. They remove him from that place of worship. The Pharisees in this story have clearly missed the point. Here is a man blind from birth who was healed. And they're so threatened by Jesus's influence and power that they insult and abuse this man who was healed by him. The Pharisees are the spiritual leaders of Israel at this time. They are the pastors. They are the shepherds of Israel. And rather than celebrating the healing of one of God's children, one of the sheep that they were supposed to be caring for, they shame him and they wound him. And so with that story in mind, would you listen carefully to the words of the prophet Ezekiel from chapter 34 and from the Gospel of John, chapter 10. Ezekiel 34, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to the Son of, God, of Man. Prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. 
Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the, the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak of, or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because those because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd and so has been plundered and has become food for all the wild animals. And because of my shepherds, and because my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than for the flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them. So will I look over my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on, on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the mountains and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the settlements of, in the land. I will, I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There, will be, there they will lie down in good grazing land, and there, will, there they will find feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring them back, bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. John 10, verse 1 through 11. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but enters by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him 
because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this form of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever come before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In Ezekiel 34, God says that the leaders of Israel fail to care for the sheep. The shepherds of Israel, the kings, the priests, and here in Jesus' time, the Pharisees, they fail to care for the sheep. And so he promises, I am going to come and shepherd my people. God does not say he's going to send better shepherds. He says, I will be the shepherd that my people need. I will come and gather them together. I will come and bind up their wounds. I will come and care for them. I will seek and save the ones that are lost. I will find the injured and the hurting and the broken, and I will care for them and make them whole. The promise here in Ezekiel is that God himself will come and shepherd his people and be the leader for them, the shepherd that they need. This story in John chapter 9 and 10, where Jesus heals this blind man, is part of the fulfillment of the promise that God makes to us in Ezekiel 34. This blind man is mistreated and abused by the shepherds who are supposed to care for him. And so Jesus comes and he meets this man's needs and he heals him and he invites him into a relationship with himself. We've been speaking over the last few weeks in the Gospel of John how Jesus pushes his identity beyond simply being a good teacher, being a prophet, or some good man. In the Gospel of John, Jesus has this series of statements where he says, I am. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the way and the truth and the life. And in John chapter 10, there are two more images that Jesus gives to us where he says, I am the gate for the sheep and I am the good shepherd. I am the gate for the sheep and I am the good shepherd. With all of these I am statements, Jesus is making the claim that he is uniquely identified with the I am Yahweh of the Old Testament. When Jesus says, I am, he is referencing back to the words of Yahweh to Moses from the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, where God gave himself the name, I am. And so Jesus here in John 10 defines himself. He says, I am the gate for the sheep and I am the good shepherd. And he's continuing to make this claim in this case that he is who he says he is that he is the word of God in the flesh. In Ezekiel, God promised that he would come and be the shepherd for his people. And Jesus said, I am here. And I am coming to bind up the wounds of my sheep. 
And so John describes this story where the Pharisees, the false shepherds, who are only caring for themselves, fail to do their job, and where Jesus comes and becomes the good shepherd that he, that, that all of us need. So today we're going to look at the first of these two I am statements from John 10. I am the gate for the sheep. And next week we're going to look at Jesus' statement that I, I am the good shepherd. In Israel's imagination, the people in this time, shepherds were very familiar. And this is kind of a problem for us because I don't know anything about shepherding. Do you know anything about shepherding? I think I can count probably on two hands how many times I've even seen a sheep. And I don't think I've ever met a shepherd. But this is a very common image throughout Scripture, and it's a very common occupation in Jesus' day. And we see throughout the Old Testament that God often calls shepherds to be leaders of his people. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob were all shepherds. Moses, what was he doing out in the wilderness when God appeared to him and called him to go deliver his people? He was shepherding. David, of course, the most famous shepherd on that day when Samuel came to anoint him to be the king of Israel, what was he doing? He was shepherding. He was out in the flocks of his father's field. God seems to love shepherds, and the people of Israel would have been very familiar with shepherds and shepherding life. It was a part of their daily life. And so I just did a bit of research this week on sheep and shepherds that I think will be helpful for us this week and next week as we look at these two images that Jesus gives to us. So first of all, one of the things we need to know is that sheep are completely dependent on the shepherd. There's a common misconception about sheep that they're dumb, which actually isn't true. They actually have a very good memory, and they're very, uh, they have some great ability to recognize different people and other sheep and different sounds. It's better to think of them as being completely dependent rather than being dumb. They're completely domesticated and would not survive very long on their own out in the wild. Mutton is just too tasty. And so they don't, and they don't really have a lot of ways to defend themselves. Second, in this story, we t uh, Jesus says that he is the gate for the sheep. And so I, I did a little bit of research on sheep pens during uh, this past week. And this is a picture of an ancient sheep pen. And for our sermon today, it's important for you to know that... Um, this is the kind of sheep pen that Jesus would have had in mind and the people would have had in mind when Jesus was talking about being the gate for the sheep. It's out in a field. It's an enclosure usually made of stones. It was open to the sky with one doorway going in and out. We're going to hear more about this next week, I think, but there were groups of shepherds that would actually share one sheep pen. And in the morning, whenever the shepherds would go out, they would simply call their sheep and the sheep would recognize their shepherd's voice and they would filter on out if the shepherd called them out of the pen. Jesus says in John 10 that I am the gate for the sheep. And one of the important things to know about shepherds and shepherding in this story is that the shepherd would sleep in the doorway of the sheep pen. They would sleep there to protect the sheep from any animals or thieves that would want to come into the sheep pen. And also they would stay there so the sheep couldn't get out in the middle of the night. Or if they did try to get out, the shepherd would recognize that. 
So when Jesus says, I am the gate for the sheep, I don't think we're to have in mind like a swinging gate or a door. What Jesus has in mind is that he is the one who sleeps in the doorway of the sheep pen. He is the one who keeps the sheep safe in the pen and also leads them out at the proper time to go out. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will go in and they will go out and they will find pasture. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will go in and they will go out and they will find pasture. Jesus is saying that he stands at the entry point between the shepherd and the pen. He stands at the entry point towards this place of safety and security for the sheep at night. And he also stands at the door in between the pen and the wide open world out there that is both a place of risk as well as the place where they find their food. I am the gate for the sheep. Whoever comes through me will be saved. They will go in and they will go out and they will find pasture. The promise that Jesus offers here through himself is salvation. And I want to remind us today that salvation is not merely a pass into heaven when we die. Salvation is the gift of entering into the safety of the sheep pen of the Father. Salvation is the invitation into the safety of the love of the Father. And salvation is also the challenge and the joy of going out into the world and experiencing God's love and joy as we serve God in the world. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will go in and they will go out and they will find pasture. These two images of sheep going in and out of the sheep pen, I think these are the two images that I want us to focus on today. First, the going in is an image of safety and security. And going out is an image of freedom and abundance. When the sheep are in the the pen, they are safe, but if they stay there for very long, they're going to get hungry. So they, at times, need to go out in order to experience the freedom that is required in order for them to eat. Safety and freedom. In order for us to flourish as human beings, in order for us to experience and to know salvation, to experience abundant life that Jesus offers, we need to know and experience safety and freedom. And there's always tension in life between safety and freedom. Most of the laws in a particular country, at least ideally, are put into place in order to balance safety and freedom. Speed limits are a great example of this. It would be great for me on many mornings when I'm taking my kids to school on State Street if I could drive 100 miles an hour to get us there on time. But rightly so, our city has placed limits on that freedom so that I and my children and everyone else will be safe. So there are some places where we have to go slower, where we have to give up our freedom to go fast for the sake of safety. 
And then there are other places on the interstate where we increase our freedom so that we can go fast while giving up some of the safety of going slow. There's a dynamic in attention here between safety and freedom. The same dynamic takes place in our homes. Parents are always seeking to calibrate the right balance of safety and protection with the freedom that the child wants and that we know that the child needs in order to flourish and to grow. Dan Allender, he's a Christian therapist and a wonderful teacher. He says that children are always asking their parents two questions. Do you love me? And can I have my own way? Children are always asking those two questions. Do you love me? And can I have my own way? That first question relates to safety. Do you love me? Am I safe with you? Am I safe in your love? If I do something wrong, will you still be there? Am I safe? And the second question, can I have my own way, is related to the freedom that a child wants and needs. And the answer to that question, can I have my own way, is no, especially at first, but as they grow, becomes yes more and more. Over time, parents and children negotiate between safety and freedom. Our eight-year-old Abraham should not drive a car. That would be bad. It would not be good for his safety or for anybody else's freedom if he drove. But Gloria is now 15 and she's learning to drive. She can handle the responsibility. And so we begin to open up that freedom, even though it may make me realize that I'm going to dial down on the safety In our life in this world, we are always in the process of negotiating these two things that we need, safety and freedom. And we are always calibrating the balance between these two things. And it's hard. And some people are people who just really like the safe thing and other people who really like the freedom thing. And sometimes those two people are married and that causes problems. It's hard to find the right balance between the safety and the freedom. Are you getting what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about in this tension in our life between safety and freedom or security and abundance. I want to say to you today that with Jesus, these two things that we need do not need to be calibrated and balanced. We are always with Jesus completely free and completely safe. Jesus is the gate into a different world, into a different reality. He is the gate into the kingdom of God where safety and freedom don't have to be negotiated with one another. They are the same thing. They don't have to be calibrated or balanced. When we go through him and enter into his world, there is no more dialing down one so that we can have more of the other. In him, we are completely and fully safe and completely and fully free. It's only in a fallen world where these two realities that we were made for, it's only in a fallen world where competition, there's a competition and a tension between safety and freedom. It's in the kingdom of our enemy 
where the rupture between our safety and our freedom takes place. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were completely safe and completely free. In the kingdom of God that is coming, this rupture, this division and tension between safety and freedom, that rupture is going to be healed. That wound between these two fundamental desires and needs that we have for safety and freedom, we will experience both of them in their fullness. In the life of the spirit, spirit is fullness of peace and joy, fullness of safety and freedom. And Jesus says, I am the gate. I am the entry point into a new world where there is fullness. I am the entry point into a new world where safety, security, and freedom and abundance are yours as a divine gift. But Jesus is clear in this passage that we have an enemy, John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. We have an enemy. There's a lot that can be said about how our enemy relates to our needs, our desire for safety and freedom. But for today, I just want to point out the primary thing that I think our enemy does to us about our conception of safety and freedom. And that's that he simply lies to us about what they are. Our enemy redefines safety. He redefines safety by keeping our focus only on the here and now. Being safe and secure is defined by us usually only by our own physical protection or avoiding pain or having enough in the refrigerator or having enough in our retirement savings. That's usually what we think of when we think of safety. And all of those things are important. And all of those things are God's provision for us. But when they become our focus, they become an idol to us. And when we do not have enough, or when we encounter an experience of pain, we begin to fear. In the face of those things that we fear, we forget that God is near to us in those times. And so the enemy in those times of fear causes us to forget that our good shepherd is with us, that even through the valley of the shadow of death, that he is with us. And then his rod and his staff are comforting us. If we go through Jesus the gate, we are always ultimately and eternally safe in the love of the Father. And our enemy wants us to forget that. Our enemy also redefines freedom for us. Let's come back to that question that children ask, can I have my own way? It's the question about freedom. The way that children and the way that most human beings define freedom is the ability to do whatever we want. That's what freedom is. And I think the American spirit in particular defines freedom in this way, the ability to do whatever we want. When we think of the word freedom, we usually think the ability to do whatever we want without restriction. But we know from our experience and we know from watching our children that doing whatever we want is not always good for us. An alcoholic who is under the control of his addiction and has $100 in his pocket, is not free. He is free to do what he wants, but he is certainly not free. 
Freedom in the Bible is the ability to do the right thing at the right time. It's the freedom to know what is right and the strength of character to do the right thing. It's the capacity to do the right and the virtuous thing. Jesus said, I am the gate for the sheep. Whoever goes through me will be saved. He will come in and he will go out and he will find pasture. Freedom, true freedom requires that when we leave the safety of the sheep pen, that we stay very, very close to the shepherd. That we live in a way that follows his guidance and direction for us so that we can be completely free and completely safe. And when we stay close to the shepherd and abide with him, he leads us into places of abundance and also times at risk where we know that ultimately and eternally we are safe with him. I am the gate for the sheep. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and he will go out and he will find pasture. I want to finish today, and we're going to move right into communion after we read Psalm 23 here. I want to go to this very familiar psalm about the Lord being our shepherd. This is a psalm that you've probably heard dozens, if not even maybe hundreds of times. And I just want to read it today with these two ideas of safety and freedom in mind. And just allow the Lord to speak to you um, through it as I read Psalm 23, and then I will pray for us and lead us into a time of communion. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's take a moment of silence to reflect on these words that we've heard today.